Today we're going to talk about being filled up. I called today's message filler up. I'm going to start with prayer because I need it after that. Father, I thank you that you care for us, that you want us to be restored, that you want us to be full of hope and life and not to be depleted. I'm encouraged that we get to learn more about that today. In Jesus' name, amen. So who today is full of joy, peace, and hope? That's good. Who today is not full of joy, peace, and hope? Am I alone? There's times in life where we are not full of those things. So the verse that's our main context is in Romans 15, 13. If you haven't heard of the Passion Translation of the Bible... It's one that I have found recently. I've been reading through, so I'll often read out of either ESV or other versions, but this one's a really neat translation where it kind of brings some color and life into the scripture that I really like. So Romans 15, 13, it says, Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. This message today is for those of us that at times don't have hope or we don't have joy. It's kind of following Mark's message a couple weeks ago where it's like, I just feel empty sometimes. And what do we do in that scenario? So if you're on the app and you want to take notes, the first part of the note is that God wants us to have rest for our souls. That's a principle that's going to ring through all of what I talk today, that that is God's desire for us. He doesn't want us to run ragged. He wants us to have rest for our souls. Many of you may know this verse, Matthew 11. It says, come to me, all who, are, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> I don't know if you guys are busy. This time of year is so busy with kids, with everything else that's going along. Um, Alicia posted something that said, being an adult is just somehow believing that next week is going to be easier. (laughs) Over and over and over again. Just next week. It's just going to be easier, right? But we don't see that. What did David say? David said in Psalms, he said, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. You can hear David just welling up inside with all of the demands that he had, crying out to God, like, God, I just need you. I need you. So I've got some illustrations today, and hopefully this is fun. This is supposed to represent, on a, probably a good day for me, what I wake up with in my picture. So the picture is me, and this is about what I have to give when I wake up a lot of days. And I wake up, and sometimes the first thing I hear, I I almost screamed, but I've got a microphone on, 
is just the wail of two kids who are fighting and screaming with each other. How many of you have woken up to that before? It's not my favorite. I don't love it. Or other times you're sitting there and you're lying there and you wake up and there's a face here somehow, like they're already awake. They can get out of their own beds. Like at some point they figure out how to do that. And it's dad, 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 dad. They won't stop until you acknowledge them. Yes, what do you need? And what that is, is it's one of my kids who just needs something from me. So I've got it. I'm like, yeah. And then I go downstairs and our wonderful two-year-old has taken the Cheerios and dumped them throughout our great room. And like, and then I want to serve my wife because in a lot of ways, like I want to do that. So I'm thinking, what can I do before I go to work? What can I do? Can I gather the kids? Can I meet with them? Can I set out expectations? You can kind of see what's happening, right? Because I didn't start full, because that's my norm, I'm just being honest. Like, I wish that that was the case, but... Then I start heading to work. Get the first phone call. I have to put my boss hat on. One of my guys calls and says, we're losing an account, or I need you to come help me. I forgot something. My iPad's broken. The day keeps going. And I go and I work outside alongside them, or maybe do a barbecue, helping out, trying to give good customer service. Just give, 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 a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. The way home, with beautiful traffic, driving home from Arapaho Road, <laughs> all the way up here. And usually about Santa Fe. <laughs> That's what happens. And this is what I'm left with. A lot of days. I know some of you can relate to this. But I still have a lot of work to do that night. I still have a lot of people to take care of. I still have a lot of things that I want to do. But there's not much there. And I may start to lose hope. I may not feel that peace that I need. You see, what I forget is I need to turn to Jesus and look at what he did in Scripture to help me make it through my day. So the next point is this. What would Jesus do? Am I aware that I need to be filled up? Are you aware that you need to be filled up? Do you actually acknowledge that reality? Or do you just try to muscle through thinking, somehow I'm going to fill this thing back up. I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps. I'm going to find a way to get it done so that I can pour out and be there for someone else again and again and again. That's not what Jesus did. We see it over and over. What are some of the ways that Jesus filled himself up? One of the times he fell asleep on a boat and took a nap. 
And the disciples started to freak out because the storm came up. And Jesus is still asleep. Because he knew that he needed rest. He had poured himself out. And he needed that rest. One time it says that he took some alone time to pray. He had been serving and serving and serving. And he knew that he was at the end of his rope. So he says that he got onto a boat. To the, that way he could take some time to pray. So they go, start going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is not very big. And the people saw where they were headed, and they left him alone, right? No. They ran around to the other side of the shore. And it's getting late, and they get to the other side of the shore, and Jesus is probably thinking, well, Jesus wouldn't be thinking this. I would be thinking, are you kidding me right now? Like... I'm trying to get away from you. (laughs) But it says in Matthew that Jesus had compassion on them. And that's where the the story of him feeding the 5,000 then happened. That's what happened right before that. He was depleted. He needed to pray. So he took that time. And when he did that, he had the energy to step in and to meet the people where they needed to be. In Luke 5, it says that he often withdrew to the wilderness. Often. So it was a common occurrence for him to pull away to be there. After he was baptized, he spent 40 days by himself preparing for what the ministry was going to be for him. He knew that ministry was coming. And what he did to prepare for that was he spent 40 days by himself. He knew that he needed to connect to the Father during that time. There was other times where Jesus would go alone in times of grief. I know that many of us have lost people, even recently. It's appropriate for us to pull away in those times of grief, to have Jesus heal what's going on inside of us, to connect with him during those hard times. Jesus did that. We have the Sabbath set up for that reason. How many of you are really good at the Sabbath? How many of you try to be good at the Sabbath? I am terrible at it. And that's why this happens. When we were in Israel, we went to Israel. I've got to throw that in since Scott's not here. I don't think that joke's ever going to get old for me. It may for you guys. But we learned about the Sabbath while we were there. We had a dinner um, one of the Friday nights is when the Sabbath starts with a Jewish family. They invited us into their home to explain to us what that whole concept was. And the mom of the family, they also had 11 kids. The mom said, if we didn't have the Sabbath, we wouldn't survive. Because they don't touch electronics. They don't do anything on that day. And she said, it's what saves us from just running ourselves ragged. And I was so challenged to think, why don't I do a better job of incorporating that? It's a great quote from a good book that I read um, called A Praying Life, and it says, learning to pray doesn't offer us a less busy life, but it offers us a less busy heart. And I really love that. When I need to connect with God, when I need to learn how to lean into Him more, my chaotic life isn't going to change. I'm delusional to think that for the next 500 years that life isn't going to stay busy. But in the busyness of that, 
Can I slow down and connect to God? Can I connect with Him on a level that's going to be able to restore my soul? Because unfortunately, this is my reality. A lot of the time. And I get home and I am just empty. Um, That happened this week. So last Sunday, who had a great time last Sunday? Guess who didn't really have a great time last Sunday? (laughs) Alicia and I. I was super depressed that night and the next day because I felt like I had given everything. It was weeks of planning. And I don't say this for pity. I'm just saying it to be honest because we had poured ourselves into something. And the enemy started yapping the next day. It wasn't worth it. What you did wasn't worth it. It's too much effort. And I rolled into Monday like this. Because I didn't take the time to connect with God that night. I don't want to live here. But I also don't want to deny that this is true. Because this is part of our reality. If I don't look at this picture and remember the consequence of me not connecting to the Father, then I'm just going to go through life not paying attention. What does that lead to? That leads to fights. That leads to me snipping at my kids and anger and bitterness and resentfulness and all of these things that can come. But there's got to be more. There's got to be a way for us to dig in. So what I was looking for in this was, I looked at the the two greatest commandments that God gave when they asked him to summarize, what's the most important? And God said, it's to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. So I really want to dig into what does it look like for us to be filled up by God in those four areas. If that's what we're to love God with and then to love others with, let's dig into what does it look like. So let's look at the heart first. God wants us to fill your heart. And the word that's used there is the word cardia, which is where we get our word cardio. But cardia is never used for the actual heart. Everybody go ahead and put your hand right over your heart. See if you can feel it. What the word cardia refers to is it's it's what controls our intellect and our emotions and our will. I've heard people say you can feel it in your heart. It's that part of us that is emotional, that is passionate. So when I look at a sunrise with my boys, we climbed a mountain the other day. Not a mountain, that's not true. We climbed up in Golden, we climbed South Table Mountain. We watched the sunrise, and there's something inside of my heart that just leaps when I'm in nature and I'm paying attention and I'm, we're worshiping. I had some worship songs going. There was something inside of me that was stirring, like, ah. Because you can feel it there. Here's what John Flabble said. I don't know how to pronounce that last name. If it's wrong, John, I'm sorry. The heart of a man is the worst part before it's regenerated. So before you're saved, the heart is the worst part of a man, and it's the best afterward. 
It's the seed of principles and the fountain of actions. The eye of God is, and the eye of the Christian ought to be, principally fixed upon it. It's the greatest difficulty in conversion. The greatest difficulty in conversion is to win the heart towards God. And the greatest difficulty after conversion is to keep the heart with God. Our heart wants to be connected to God. And where do we see it in Scripture? We see it in Philippians 4. A lot of you will know this verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Who's my anxious ones? This is for you. Do not be anxious about everything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. You want your heart to be guarded? Invite Jesus there. Invite him to be with you in those hard emotions. See, emotions to me are like an instrument panel on your car. You're driving down the road, and for me, the anger one's usually the speedometer one, right? Like, whoo! Am I paying attention to what's going on here? I'm getting really angry. Another one, though, that's over on the side is my sadness indicator. I've got a sadness indicator, and I don't like to look at that one. I kind of pretend that it's not there. Like, just don't need to be sad today. Like, saw a uh, thing came on the radio at one point talking about, like, kids that needed support in Africa who didn't have anything, and I was like, because my sadness meter rose and I was feeling sad for them but I don't want to deal with that so it's like don't pay attention to that gauge don't pay attention to the anger gauge that's what our emotions can be for us when we sense emotions that come up it's a way for us to see on the instrument panel oh something's going on underneath I should probably pay attention to that I should probably invite Jesus here God I am so angry right now but I know that if I connect to your love, that it can dissipate even just a little. Instead of just blowing through it and not paying attention, and cutting somebody off or doing even worse. So what can you do, I loved that phrase in there, to keep your heart with God? What do you need to do this week to keep your heart with God? Next, God wants to fill our soul glad I brought this water. God wants to fill our soul. This is the word psyche, which some of you with theology backgrounds are, where is he going to go with this? Psyche is a weird word, and it even is acknowledged. As I was studying this word for this, it's a Greek word that means a lot of different things. So it can mean certain things. The best thing that I found, what I, was really helpful for me, is that it's the breath in a being or in an individual. So everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> Scripture says that the breath of life is Jesus. That's one of the descriptions for him. So when we breathe in, <sighs> we can breathe Christ into us. Not figuratively, but it's that idea of there's breath inside of us. So here's what it talks about. It says that the psyche is the center of the personal being. It's the eye of each individual. And 
where each man is bound by the spirit for the higher part, and it's bound by the body for the lower part. So the tug of war in Romans 7 to me is where you can really feel this. I feel this as I studied this. I feel that call of, I want to do righteous things. I want to get better. And then this pull back down of, I don't want to do righteous things. I want to be selfish, and I want to be over here somehow. So it's just this tension inside of us where we're getting pulled back and forth. So it's that reminder of feel that breath. (sighs) To me, this is the part of me that's tired. When people ask, how are you doing? And I say, do you want the real answer or the church answer? And I say, the real answer is I feel worn out. I feel depleted instead of the church answer, which is, I'm doing fine. Everything's great. Let's not be a church where that's the case. I'm so grateful that I have so many people here. When they ask me that question, I don't even, I just, I can go right to the real answer of, listen, I'm depleted. When I'm tired, this is where I feel it. It's just that struggle. I just feel so tired. You guys relate to that? That's where we're seeing this. That's the tug of war. Where do we see it in scripture? Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. You want that rest? I long for that rest. That's where he's talking about it here. This rest for me does not come by watching the Bronco game, even if they win. I want it to. I want that to be enough. Or I want to be able to play my spades game on my phone. I'm so good at that game, you guys. (laughs) Like, the computers that I play against, they don't even stand a chance. Like, it doesn't bring me rest. In a lot of ways, it's just a distraction. I want that true rest. Where do you need to take Jesus' yoke today? Where do you need to partner with him instead of doing it on your own? Some of you that need that peace and that rest and that hope, this is the part of you that's calling out to you. It says, invite Jesus here. Don't do it on your own. You see, Alicia needs me here. This is the part of me that she needs to show up. Even after a long day or a long week, It's the part of me that my kids need is for me to just grab them and hold them and be there for them. It's where my friends need me to show up. And often I can't or I won't because I'm so empty. I haven't taken the time to be filled up. Next, God wants us to fill our God wants to fill your mind. He wants to fill my mind. And the word here that he uses for mind is dianoia. And the definition of it, what I really liked, is it's an agitation, was the word that they use. So it's when you're actually thinking about stuff, it's not mindless stuff, but it's an, I want to figure something out about God. And some of us that use our minds to connect the best with God, it's this. I just see this agitation of, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I want to learn more about you. I want to study more about you. I want to know more about you, God. Because when I know more about you and I study more about you, it helps me to be able to love others better. 
When I understand your love, I can then give your love. It's all of our thinking, it's our comprehending, it's our reasoning. So everybody, put your fingers on your temple. God wants us to be restored in our mind. And the thought that I had for this, I sent a note out to some of my kids this week. Someone else shared with, this with me. It's this idea. Are you protecting your playlist? All of us have a playlist that runs through our mind. How many of you have a Spotify account or something similar? Spotify is a great app where you can create these different things. It's all just different songs. And I create different Spotify playlists. And they do different things for me. The one that I have, I call it, Got a Little Life in It. Took that from my boss. G-A-L-L-I-I. Got a little life in it. And I move songs into there that stir my soul or help my thinking. So I've got a playlist that runs. And there's times that I ignore the playlist and I let other thoughts come in. But what are you doing to protect your playlist, to protect your mind? Because I don't think that we need to always be on we only need to be thinking about God. We only need to be, because that can be exhausting as well. There is room for downtime. But if you're only striving for the downtime, then I think that we're missing out. Are you protecting your playlist? We see it in Scripture, 1 John 5.20. You know the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we might know Him who is true. We are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. God wants us to turn our minds on to Him. So much of my life, I'm just wanting to dial it back. Just take a break, watch a movie, check out a little bit. And like I said, there is room for that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. And there is appropriate times for me to say, no, God, I'm going to clue in. I'm going to focus in on you so that I can be restored in my mind. And the last one, God wants to feel your strength. I don't really even know how to say it, so that's fine. Ishui was the word that was used there in Greek. And the idea of this word is... Picture a boulder at the top of a hill that's being held by two logs, right? Like it's at the top of the hill and it's being held there. When you look up at that, if you're down below it, you're going to be very aware of the power that that boulder has just by looking at it. The boulder hasn't done anything yet. It's just sitting there. But you know if those two logs were to break and that boulder were to be start coming after you, you'd be in a lot of trouble. Because it is more powerful than anything inside of you. And that's what this power and this strength that He is calling us to is all about. It's not my strength. Because this is what my strength gets me. I make the Santa Fe, and then we're done. <laughs> That's all I've got. But when I can be filled up by God, then I can be powerful. 
then I can be strong. And what does strength look like? It's going to look different for each of you. What's the unique strength that God has put inside of you? For some of you, it's taking care of sick people every single day that you're at work. For some of you, it's staying home with your children and homeschooling them. For some of you, it's showing up in your workplace as different, as loving, with a smile on your face. How many of you know the strength that it takes some days to put a smile on your face? And it takes everything inside of you to show up with a smile on your face. So this isn't about conquering some nation or something like that. It is, though, about harnessing that power that God has given us to be able to do hard things. I often have a message that runs through my mind that says it's too hard, you don't do it. Give up now. Like, what's the point in even trying? Because it's too hard. And I have to stand there and think, I can either believe that or I can take that thought captive and I can say, that's not true because I can do hard things because I'm connected to the ultimate source of power. It's not some John Wayne thing where I'm just like, ah, I'm going to do this. It's that I am connected to the God of the universe and He has given me the strength that I need. So everybody take your hands. I want you to squeeze in your hands. Squeeze tight. Feel your strength. Now watch this. Squeeze harder. You had a little bit more, didn't you? And again, squeeze harder. Now picture that. You can release. Picture that on a spiritual level. Picture that strength that's offered to us. To be able to step up. For some of you later today, it's going to be taking one step into that room and going, God, should I go to the Dominican Republic? Should I take that step out? I've never been outside of the country. I've never been in a situation like that. And it's going to take everything you have to even step into that room. And I applaud you for that. And I may go, I've been there three times. That's not hard. But do you know what is hard for me? Is to pull out a book at 7.30 at night and read to one of my kids. Because I'm just spent. I don't have anything left. But I can stop and go, okay, God. I can do this. I can connect to that. Ephesians points it out really well. It says, for this reason, because, this is Ephesians 1.16, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. This is Paul writing to them. Remembering you in my prayers, this is Paul's prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope in which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards those who believe. 
I remember being on the beach years ago, and I was reading through Romans. And I'm reading in Romans 8, and it says this in verse 11. It says, If the Spirit of the One who raised Jesus from the dead... And I felt God say, stop. It's weird, it's right in the middle of a sentence. So read that again. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. What God was pointing out to me is that the end of that sentence can be about a thousand things. Paul wrote and he finished, and I'm going to read what he wrote, and that's one ending to that sentence. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, you finish the story. What's the next part that you need to walk into this week with? Because you can do some hard things this week if the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you. Don't do it on your own. But if I step into that every morning, God, you're inside of me. What do you want me to attack with all of my strength today? Those are good days for me. Because I'm connected to God in His strength. And I'm very aware that it's nothing that I'm doing. Very aware of that. Here's a good quote. Grace is too strong to leave us passive. It's too potent to let us wallow in the mire of our sins and our weaknesses. My grace is sufficient for you, Jesus says, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Those days where you think, I don't have this today, can be some of your best days. They can be my best days. Because I don't have it. Today is one of those days for me. I have not had time to prepare for this sermon. Like I've wanted to. We're going on vacation in a couple weeks. We were in charge of the whole dunk tank thing last week. This week was crazy. But guess who showed up when I sat and I was quiet? So anything that you're hearing today is because the Holy Spirit is inside of me. This isn't something clever that Joel came up with. This is that power that God wants us to know. Here's how Paul ends that. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. You want life? Connect to God. That's our true source. Where do you need... To stand in God's power inside of you. Where do you need that extra jolt from God? So here's the empty. And here's what I do, kind of as a visual illustration. I do drive home and I get frustrated. Or I'm just angry and I'm mad at my kids. Or I'm mad at life. Because the whole reason we have kids is because I was trying to be obedient and trust that God would be enough for us. 
So instead of even just being empty, I start to fill myself up with discouragement or hopelessness. That's a good one for me. That's probably four or five of these. There's no end. This is hopeless. So worse than being empty. I'm full. I'm full of toxic, negative messages that make me resistant to God, let alone like, yeah, God, I want you to be a part of this. That's where I was on Monday. I was so ready to give up. And what has it taken? It's taken a week of trying. Because what we need, I read it at the beginning, it's the very first verse that I started with. It says, now God, the fountain of hope, wants to fill you to overflowing. This picture is way bigger than mine. The fountain of hope wants to fill you to overflowing. So for me, it could be that step. This morning, it's instead of just cruising through life, it's me throwing that worship track on those songs that stir my soul. And I say, God, I'm open to you. I'm open to you filling me instead. And he gets into all those small places through all the cracks and crevices. And I start to hear him and I say, I hear you. He says, Joel, come meet with me. Don't lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge me, and I will make your path straight. And slowly, I get filled up. thoughts, these attitudes, these beliefs, they get replaced. I'm able to pour out again. I'm able to be there for myself and to be there for others. You see, this message can sound like self-care, and some of that's good. Some self-care is needed. I think that our culture highlights it a little more than we probably should. Because what self-care sometimes turns into is avoiding the hard. There's times where I will want to take a break, and I may scroll through Facebook, or play a game, or even go to the mountains. I want a break. There's room for that. But where it gets really good is when your rest turns into restoring. 
when instead of just needing a break and staying empty, I say, God, fill me. Fill her up, God. You come and fill me. Because then I can feel His closeness and His love. I can know that He's close. We need that fountain of hope that's way bigger than us, that has the capacity to fill us every single time to come. So we're going to take communion. And the way this is going to work is there's some, um, kind of like how we used to do it, so there's some bread that is already cut, so you can come grab that with the cups. There's also the prepackaged um, items up here. There's some gluten-free bread for those of you that are gluten-free as well. So we're going to sing through a song, and what I invite you to do is come forward and get the elements and then go back to your seat, and we'll take it all together at the end of that, at the end of this song. So when you're ready, move your way forward. I want you to be thinking through during this time, which of these areas do I really want to be restored in? Is it your heart? Is it your soul? Is it your mind? Or is it your strength? So as you come, be pondering that as we're worshiping through this song. Amen. You may stand and start coming.
On the night that Jesus was betrayed, Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to it, to God for it. And he broke it into pieces and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this to remember me as often as you drink it Jesus, thank you. We remember you. This simple act is just for us to remember you and put you in the place of importance in our lives. We still acknowledge that we need you today, and we will need you again. Help that taste remind us of you as we use our senses to move into loving you. I'm grateful that you came. I'm grateful that you are still active. And that you've given us an ability to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. May we walk with you all the days of our life. Jesus' name, amen.